I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's time for more Word Foolery, where we explore the interesting background and origin stories behind words. And this month, one of my favourite words, rigmarole, will be explored. Also bogus, buccaneer, tattered million, and the word that has us scratching our heads this morning, jackery. Joining me now to tell us more is our favourite words, myth and etymologist enthusiast, author Grace Tierney from Stamullen. How are we doing, Grace? I'm doing very well. Lovely sunny day today. It is. It's lovely out there. Now, there's still guests. And so we'll just remind people, if you've just joined us, our mystery word this month is Jacquerie. So J-A-C-Q-U-E-R-I-E. And Grace is saying possible meanings could be a greenhouse for growing jackfruits. Not sure. A process for printing fabrics or a peasant's revolt. So which one do you think it might be? Just for a bit of crack, get in touch with us on 086-1800-658. By the way, if you want, you can just write A, B or C. I'll know which one that you're talking about. But first, can we start with my favourite word? Rigmarole. I love this. I use this now if I'm, um, you know, frustrated with people or things that are dragging on too long. That's a bit of a rigmarole, I'll say. Is that right now? Yes, that's exactly how I use it as well. And that's why I like it. <laughs> so my, my poor teenagers do get accused of, will you just hurry up with the rigmarole? Because they never seem to get to the point of the story. Yes. It just goes on and on and on. It's like, just cut to the case. Come on, stop. Uh, yeah, so rigmarole. Um, it actually has two meanings, which I didn't really realise. So rigmarole is a confused or meaningless story, which is the one that I come up against, or a complex or ritualised process. So it can be something like my daughter's rambling story that never reaches a conclusion or it can be an overly elaborate approach to a task. Like when you go and fill in a form for anything. Oh, <laughs> Do you know what I mean? About form. <laughs> <laughs> I've had enough forms this month. Um, anyway, it goes way back. It's a much older word than I expected. So it goes back to the late 1200s and it actually starts with uh, lawyers. Lawyers are always behind those forms. So it started with a set of legal statues, statutes uh, enacted by King Edward I of England and they were recorded on a series of scrolls or rolls which were called the Ragman's Roll. Uh, a roll in this case is more like a school roll, a list of enrolled pupils. Yeah. So it's a long list or catalogue. And these Ragman rolls were quite famous because of the laws and they became a byword for any long, tedious list and over time became associated with a different list entirely, which is where this gets quite interesting. So this other list is describes in verse various characters in a medieval game of chance called Ragman. It's spelled slightly differently, but we'll say Ragman. Um, the fact that the game was complex probably added to the idea of rigmarole over time. Ragman came over with the Normans, so it's come from Anglo-French where it's Ragman le bon, or Ragman the Good, who was both the character on the list and the title of one of the verses. So I did desperately try to find instructions on how you would actually play Ragman's role because it was madly popular in Anglo-Norman households and I was kind of like, this sounds good. (laughs) Anyway, I haven't been able to get the full details but some descriptions claim that there were up to 50 mini-verses, many of which were quite bawdy, uh, which is probably why they were popular. And you'd put those into a bag and then each player would draw one at random to tell their fortune, particularly as it related to matters of love. Possibly lovemaking, I don't know. Okay. 
Yeah. So over time, this ragman's role changed into rigmarole. And by 1939, the idea of a rigmarole being a long list transformed into an overly complex activity or story. (laughs) I love that. It makes me love the word even more, rigmarole. It's a great one. Yeah. It is. It's a good one. I like genuinely. If anybody knows how to play it, <laughs> quite interesting. If you know how to play rigmarole, get in touch with us now on 0861-800-658. Um, okay, this is a great one as well. Bogus. Now, I don't really use this word very often, but um, you know, people will say like we're getting a lot of bogus calls, aren't we, at the moment? Yeah, exactly. It does sort of feel slightly more American that you know American English rather than more than Irish English. You don't hear it that often here, but it is proper English. Um, so it's very much seen as a slang thing here, I think. Um, but actually, just like words like kid, like actually given you know kid for children is given to us by Vikings. Bogus goes back a good way as well, and is actually legitimate English. So it did start as American slang, however. So it's moved on since then to mean anything that is sham, fake or phony. And it's even been used by parliamentarians in the US Congress and stuff. So I think we can probably conclude it's not fully slang anymore. It's Mm. edging its way into mainstream English. So do you like Bill and Ted? I was just going to say, is she going to bring up Bill and Ted? I love Bill and Ted. Yeah, Yeah, that's when you'll hear that word a lot. Yeah, they are truly excellent. I (laughs) love Bill and Ted. so obviously they they loved it so much that they called one of their movies 1991 Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, which yes. was truly bogus. So they used it in the sense of anything that's bad or uncool, and that is the sort of slang surfer type uh, version of that. But it predates Bill and Ted by 150 years. Ooh. So actually, yeah, it actually comes into English in 1830. and it has nothing to do with something being uncool. It describes a counterfeiting machine. Oh. It's not even an adjective, it's a noun back then. Okay. So it was a machine that was used to create false coinage. And there's an early mention of it in the New Hampshire newspaper report. And then very quickly after that, it came to denounce fake money rather than the machine that makes fake money. So then it gets its association with fake and sham, and it goes from there. And it's a wonderful name for a machine. You know, I was using my bogus today. But <laughs> yeah. nobody really knows where the machine got its name. There's some fantastic theories, though, and sometimes the theories are more fun than the answer. So in the late 1700s, there's a local Vermont word in, in uh, New England called tantra bogus, which was used to describe any strange or unusual object. OK, so I think that kind of makes sense. But there's very few written mentions on that, which does make it a bit suspicious. Then tantra bogus is sometimes traced back to a similar word, tantra bob, which was used in Devon in England, and that was for the devil. Oh. Um, other people think bogus has got to be linked to bogey, bogeyman or boggart. But to be honest, there's not a lot of proof for that, apart from the fact that the spelling is similar, which yeah. isn't always indicative. Um, and some of the other ones are great. So there's allegedly, although I think this itself may be bogus, a tribe in Central Asia called bogus. That sounds like something somebody made up. Yeah, about. made up. Totally. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's the way I see it. Um, bagasse is the pulp left over from sugarcane production. Fair enough. Okay. And Vogue, which is kind of spelled like Vogue, but with a B, is the word for fake in Louisiana French. And that one might have... Mm, That might be credible, yeah. Realistically, if somebody tells you they know the origin of Bogus, they're being Bogus. (laughs) Okay. Yes, they are. are. Uh, Now, this is great from, you know, one Bogus journey to kind of a swashbuckling adventure, I think, because Buccaneer just conjures up images of, of a swashbuckling adventure and sword fights and things like that. 
and you got to buckle your slosh on a regular basis. <laughs> <laughs> I love the old buccaneers and pirates. I mean, I, I did write a book on the topic. You did? So, yeah, this, this one's from the words that gave us because I was just so amazed by the linkage. Now, we're going to park the buccaneers for just one sec. We'll okay. come back around to them, I swear. What we're actually going with is barbecue. Okay. And it seems appropriate because this weekend it's going to be nice <laughs> and I'm sure I won't be the only one lighting the coals on, on Saturday or Sunday. So we have buccaneers to thank for barbecues. So what is a buccaneer? So a, a Caribbean buccaneer was a privateer in the 17 and 1800s. Now, a privateer was a legal pirate. So they carried what were called letters of mark and this entitled them to attack or capture ships of enemy forces. They weren't the official navy, but their targets were, or were meant to be, the enemies of their patron country. And most major European nations employed privateers during the Age of Sail to basically cause trouble for the other European nations. But employing a privateer could be very risky. The countries themselves ran the, ran the risk of the privateers being bought out by the highest bidder. They could be bribed. Mm. Or simply they would do whatever they wanted to do once they were out of sight of the commissioning country. Of course did they did. happen? Yeah. That happened all the time, right? However, it went the other way too because letters of mark weren't always honoured by the issuing nation. Captain Kidd, who was a very famous pirate, had letters of mark and they hanged him as a pirate regardless. So, you know, everybody was double-crossing everybody else back in that time. So as for the word buccaneer, this has an unexpected link to barbecue and to jerky. Caribbean locals on the islands of Tortuga and Hispaniola, which are now Haiti and the Dominican Republic, dried meat on a frame called a bocan over a low fire. Original barbecue. When the Spanish ships arrived in the area, they loved this idea, but they called it barbacoa. And from this word, we get barbecue. Mm. The meat produced by the method, they called shark, um, E-H-A-R-Q-U-E, as in kind of charcoal. um, And we now call that jerky. Then the sailors who adopted this bocan and jerky thing for preserving meat for their ship voyages became known as buccaneers. Oh my God, that is amazing. So when people are (laughs) firing up the barbecue this weekend and you have people over, you can regale them with this story with such a sense of authority and just, you know, uh, create such a fascinating antidote at your barbecue (laughs) at the weekend. I love it. I would suggest you get a couple of beers into them before you start (laughs) on your tomorrow. I've seen people's eyes glaze over. (laughs) We don't do that too often. (laughs) That's fantastic. Okay, brilliant one. Now this, I'm very much scratching the head. I have not heard of this one at all and I hope I'm pronouncing it right. Tatterdemelian, is it? Yeah, Tatterdemelian. Um, yeah, I have to confess this is not in everyday use No, me, but I found it in a book and I've since found it in other books. So, you know, sometimes when you find a word, oh, what's that? So I ran off to the dictionary. So I found it in a novel by Anthony Horowitz, which was set in Victorian London and he described somebody as being a Tatterdemelian and I'm like, what the hell is that? So, Straight off of the dictionary, it means a person who is dressed in ragged clothing. And it's also associated with the more common word, which you might know, ragamuffin. Oh, yeah, I love ragamuffin. Yeah, so ragamuffin is a child in ragged clothing. But if it's an adult, it's a tattered comedian. It sounds a bit more grand. Like you're, you're tattered, but you're kind of working it, you know? Oh, you reckon? You reckon it could be a style? I mm, I think these people were quite poor, actually. <laughs> um Again, it's one that goes way back. So although we don't use it very commonly now, I think it was reasonably common in Victorian English. Um, so it was first used in 1608 
Um, its origin is uncertain, so this is one I won't be able to give you a clear meaning for, but yeah. it does have some interesting twists and turns along the way. So the tatter part, most people assume that is the idea of tattered clothing, okay? But it may also relate to tartar. So uh, not like not like tartar sauce. Okay. Without the E, okay? <laughs> uh, tartar, um, which was a word that was used at the time to describe an English gypsy. Okay. And I'll explain why in a minute. Um, personally, the Damelian bit is not explained anywhere. Uh, but I personally think that that sounds very like dandelion. And dandelion is one of these words that has a ton of folk names and a ton of slang words. And because dandelions are everywhere, everybody yeah. sees them. And they do look a little bit raggedy. If you look at the leaves of a dandelion, it does look a bit torn. So I think the association of that with the ragged poor, you know, you can maybe see how it might happen. Yeah, there's a connection, yeah. A personal theory now. I have no proof for that one. But the word tartar really caught my eye because I have seen that used and I have no idea what it was. So a tartar... It enters English via Latin, Tartarus, and the Persian word Tatar in the mid-1300s. And it describes the armies and people of Mongolia under the leadership of the famous Genghis Khan. So the word Tartar is for the Mongolian people. And it actually comes from their own language where they call themselves Tata, T-A-T-A. That's what Mongols back then called themselves. So in Latin, the word Tartarus, uh, which is part of that journey, was used for hell. And wow. the LinkedIn news didn't do much good for the public image of the Mongol hordes, who probably weren't doing themselves much good anyway with the whole invading and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. But over time, their nomadic lifestyle of the Tartar people became linked with the English gypsies and then gets us to sort of people that don't have a lot of money and are living on the streets and we get Tatar to million. Wow. Wow. Okay. That's, yeah. And you know, I don't know. I like the sound of it. It's kind of got, it's a nice way uh, flow off the tongue, the tatterdemalion. Uh, okay. It's not the easiest thing to spell, in fairness. So maybe that's why it's not used at all. It's not easy to spell. I had to search it a few times. Uh, now, this word, a lot of people, I'm just going to do a quick, um, a quick kind of vote here on this. Okay. A lot of people are saying the peasants revolt, which is what I would be putting my money on for Jackery. Okay, uh, I have no monetary prize, <laughs> <laughs> and I assume imaginary money. Yes, any bet, um, but you would have won your bet. And Yay! I had not when I picked this word. I actually hadn't realised that today is Bastille Day, which is a massive clue. <laughs> yeah, because you see, this is what twigged it with me because I said that in the Northeast update, and I went, "Aha! Hang on a minute now. I can see the connection now to Jackery." Okay, fantastic. So I had totally forgotten. But anyway, vive la revolution and happy Bastille Day to anybody French listening. Um, yes, it is about a peasant for revolt. Um, I found this one in a book as well. I'll have to stop reading these books. Anyway, I was reading a very good uh, history book actually called A Timeline of Irish History by Richard Killeen. It's excellent because if you want a nice short book that tells you everything that happened from like prehistoric up to the modern day, it's very handy. Oh, it's good. Anyway, he was talking about an insurrection in 1641 in Ulster and he said it became a jackery against the plantation of the region. The uprising resulted in thousands of settlers being killed and lasted for more than a year. So I immediately went, yeah, but what the heck is a jackery? So it is French, as you might guess. A jackery is a peasant's revolt. The original jackery began in northern France in 1358 with the peasant uprising against their nobles during the Hundred Years' War. Jacques was seen as a typical French peasant's name and named the uprising that they called. But there was two other ways as well. The jacket that the peasants wore at the time was called a jack. 
And their doomed leader, uh, Guillaume Calais, was nicknamed Jack Goodfellow or Jacques Bonhomme. So all three combined to make it a Jacquerie. And the poor old peasants, as you might expect, it was put down with brutal force within a couple of months. But no doubt the idea of a peasant uprising did shake the nobles. However, it took another 400 years before we got the French Revolution. Wow. Okay. And and like, is that word used? No, it's not re- even in French. I like... think it's, my guess is it might be used significantly in France, but it's yeah. used by historians. So there you go. Anyone who guessed Peasants' Revolt, I think they all flooded in after we did the, the piece of Bastille Day. They were all like, yeah, it's totally this one. Uh, but uh, fantastic. I had no idea what that was. Grace, as always, thank you for joining me for Word Foolery. It was a pleasure having you as always. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Thanks a million. Grace's books, by the way, How to Get Your Name in the Dictionary, Words the Sea Gave Us. She's got lots more. You can also check out her blog, wordfoolery.wordpress.com. 11 to 1 on LMFM.